Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. They're talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. The New Jersey Kid, Joe Sheehan. That's the difference between you and I. For me, this is about passion, and for you, this is about fame. And nobody will ever remember you. The Rogue of Wrestling, Michael Newman. Yeah, that works in Hollywood, that works in the movies, but this isn't the movies, this is real life. And in real life, I am the real hero. You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. We are all in, because, man, that was a fucking stellar fucking pay-per-view put on by the Bullet Club members, and I cannot wait to see what comes next. Double or nothing, Joe, what do you think? Uh, I think it's definitely got to happen at this point. That show was such a success that uh, I, I don't know how you don't do another one. Yeah, I mean, there's there's absolutely no way you don't. And I mean, there's are, I guess there's already kind of the spiritual successor in a way with this uh, Madison Square Garden show. But it definitely yes. seems like there should be like a, a more proper all-in, too, at some point. Yeah. And it's funny, actually, you mentioned that uh, we were discussing off-air before we started recording. Uh, we were talking about Jim Cornette's reaction to the, the card. And his co-host, Brian Last, suggested, he was like, do you think this is something they can do? He suggested every month. I think that's a little much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think definitely a yearly thing is what they could definitely start out trying. Mm-hmm. And Jim pointed out, he's like, well, their minds are now definitely going towards the Madison Square Garden card. And I think that's true. I think now they've got to focus on that, make that a huge success. Because then you can really say, like, okay, yeah, we sold out 10,000 or so seats in outside of Chicago, which is a huge deal. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to double it. But when you can sell out Madison Square Garden and put on the same level of a show that they just did, mm-hmm. that's breaking glass ceilings right there. Yeah, that's really fucking huge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at, I think it would definitely be a reasonable goal if they were to say to maybe do a show next year. That would be like, you know, a year from the one they just did, all in, somewhere around that date. And It's a, it's a great a, weekend to do. Do it the same weekend. And Labor Day? for a 20,000-seat arena. Literally, do double or nothing. Let's. Have you heard the rumors that apparently they've? The rumor right now is that it's supposed to be in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. I'm looking up what the capacity of the Staples Center is. But yeah, I think oh twenty one thousand. There you go. Staples Center. But Perfect. I think I heard. Oh, I've got to go. I've been listening to so many fucking podcasts. <laughs> Somewhere I heard that I think Staples Center was looked at, and I think they're one of the arenas that literally has an agreement with WWE that like they won't present mm-hmm. any other wrestling. Well, maybe they, their minds could be changed just like Jericho, because uh, Jericho yeah. appeared on this show, and he said he was never going to be on an American show that was televised. Unless Can we talk about how McMahon. great that appearance was? That was fucking so, awesome. That was my only thing that was... Uh, so I didn't watch All In Live. I waited until mm-hmm. the next night because uh, my own friend has a setup in his backyard. Actually, friend of the show, Corey. Shout out to Corey. Yeah. Uh, has a setup in his backyard. He has like a blow-up big screen and a projector. And so 
Sunday night, we sat out around a fire and watched all in, drank beers. It was a fun night. Mm-hmm. And again, reason that I loved that it was on Labor Day weekend, we did this on a Sunday night. We didn't have work the next day. It was great. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> shit, I forget where I was going with this. Just that it was a great show, the uh, the Jericho return. Yes, Jericho, sorry. So <laughs> I, I didn't watch it live. Um, so that was the only thing that was spoiled for me because the night before I was watching the Philadelphia Union play, went on Twitter to see about something that happened with the, the game. And all of a sudden I scrolled across Jericho's photo of him with the Pentagon paint. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't click in my head then of what it was. I just knew, and he said something about all in, so I just knew that he was appearing and had paint on his face. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and so then we were watching the match afterwards, like, I was like, oh, then it clicked in my head of what happened. Yep. But yeah, that was a fucking excellent spot and, you know, great advertisement for the cruise. Mm-hmm. Of course. And also played off really well with the um, announcers. Like, Don Callis, I think, was selling it really well when the lights were off for so long. Mm-hmm. He was like, it was one of those things where they had the lights off. The uh, and It's such a small detail, right? We had the lights off for the perfect amount of time. It wasn't your quick changeover of something. Mm-hmm. Like, when the lights go off and then on right away, you know, okay, someone was hiding underneath the ring. And right. mm-hmm. now they're appearing. This was off long enough that you thought, oh, maybe they do have a problem. Like, they're, this is the first time running a big show. You would understand if the lights went out. Right, where there's just like a miscue somewhere. Like, yeah, exactly. it, it was it was long enough to be awkward. Mm-hmm. So then, then you start to question exactly. Yep. It, and that's and the then Don because Cal's they're fucking with the psychology, right? Like, they know that you know that if it goes too quick, then it's it blows it, right? Yeah. I, I don't think it completely blows it. Yes, it... Not then 100%, but like... It, yeah. Yeah. Ruins the surprise, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. And, it, like, in the same sort of way, too, like, I think there was a lot of just really good, smart booking decisions as far as what they did here. Like, there was a lot of things that they did not, um, like, give away in any way beforehand. Like, the Joey Ryan return, like, I thought that yes. was great. Like, they were still obviously playing with the Hangman Page storyline, but that was still... Just like its own thing, like they didn't do some sort of. Yeah, he wasn't advertised for it, right? Like, right, like they didn't talk about Joey Ryan being advertised for it or anything like that. Um, but then they also did a lot of really other smart things too. I think, like for um, like with Flip Gordon winning the Battle Royal and stuff like that. That whole storyline going so up well of, yeah, in disguise, not, not being booked. And, and then, then, um, oh, what was he disguised as? It was um, he was like El Luchador or whatever the fuck, like some yeah, just guy in a mask. Uh, what, and they did like it was great too because like Bully Ray just like fucking took him out right at the yeah. beginning and you just forgot about that guy until you needed to uh, remember who he was and then it was like oh shit it's Flip Gordon so I thought it was really well done just like the whole the whole show yeah I'm trying to it, they they described him as someone's uh, what you call it uh, cousin and I can't remember who. Who's supposed to be somebody's cousin? The Flip Gordon's uh, luchador disguise oh. was someone from New Japan. Oh, who's who's the guy that like helps book American guys in New Japan? Oh, this is gonna bug the ever living shit out of me. Are you talking about like an on-screen personality? Yeah, hold on. I oh, know. Book American talent. Hold on. I don't know. 
This is a mystery. Rocky Romero. Oh, Rocky Romero? Oh, okay. Yeah, apparently on the on the commentary, they said, oh, it's Rocky Romero. It's one of his luchador cousins or something like that. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. I think that's, if I remember correctly, I think Rocky does a little bit more of, like, appearing under some masks at some point. Yes, throughout his career at New Japan, he has yeah. appeared under, like, multiple masks. I gotcha. So, yeah, they were saying maybe it's going to be him. Yeah. But, yeah, no, this is a great surprise here with Flip Gordon and then him getting to have this opportunity against Jay Lethal which was also mm-hmm. a really fun match, like, getting to see that oh my God. new so much dynamic fun. to the uh, Randy Savage, like, in-and-out gimmick. With, like, Lanny Poffo, like, smacking him and then him becoming Randy Savage and then not again, like... Yeah, can we talk about, like, Lanny is a great example of this, um, of the great use of the legends. Yes. And someone pointed this out to me, and they said, and I forget who, they were just like, the legends were used as highlights rather than the center of the attention. Yeah. That's a really good like, way to put it. That's true. On the pre-show, you had Road Warrior Animal come out on a motorcycle, didn't wrestle, just came out on a motorcycle because they're in Chicago. Great yeah, just like, fucking spot. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Lanny Papo has the fucking Frisbees, does the pat on the back to Jay Lee, like hands him the sunglasses, makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. You had the only legends that I think they should have hyped up a little bit more were... Uh, Tully Blanchard and uh, Magnum TA coming out mm-hmm. with Tessa. I yeah, don't think that that fair. was. I think that should have been made a bigger deal of. Yeah, that's true. Definitely, definitely at least uh, Tully for sure. Yeah. I just like Magnum. I didn't even recognize him. Also, yeah, well, like he's, the, he's gotten a lot older too. Yeah, like but the thing the thing came up on the at the bottom of the screen, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh shit, that's Magnum, <laughs> like. Oh shit, that's Magnum TA. Yeah. Yeah, but they had them in there, uh like Diamond Dallas Page, he had a good spot yes. in this. Um Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, is that fucking Sean Davari with <laughs> Magnus? I'm like, why is he there? Oh, just to take the diamond cutter. Got it. Like <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he's there to eat a diamond cutter. Okay. Let's talk about the presentation of that match. So fucking good. That was awesome. Like I've heard it I think it was um Maybe Meltzer and Alvarez were talking about saying that it felt like an old school boxing match, and yes. I would definitely agree. It, it, it really felt, had that I big... think it was it was after Dusty. Like Dusty used to come out with multiple mm-hmm. guys. Yeah, and then now Cody's got the Nightmare Family. Yeah, and all the guys mean like for Cody's side and some of Magnus's side. So like Cody's side, you had you had Diamond Dallas Page, Tommy Dreamer, um, who else was with him? Oh, apparently Glacier, who's like one of his training, <laughs> one of his training people, and then his his dog Pharaoh, like that was yeah. great, and then coming out with Magnus, you had Jeff Jarrett, very much tied into the NWA, um, Tim Storm, the former champion, uh, Sean Devari was a little confused that until he took the bump, and I was like, oh yeah, he's there to just, <laughs> yeah. So then we don't have to throw down some other old guy like Jeff Jarrett, yeah, um. But yeah, no, it was it was really fucking awesome, and I, it kind of makes me wonder too if this is sort of the the way they're going to be going forward consistently with the presentation fear here for the uh, NWA title. Like, is Cody going to be going around to different promotions, uh, like even bigger places like ROH, New Japan, but also maybe smaller places, and go along with the Nightmare Family and have this big like feel of like an entourage surrounding the title? I don't know about that, but he said that he's bringing the title everywhere he goes, and that. If the Booker, 
of these smaller promotions goes, no, because we have our own title, like, he won't go. Mm-hmm. He, yep, he, was on, he was on JR's podcast um, talking about it. He was like, I am the NWA champion. I'm going to be like Ric Flair and like my dad and take it around to all these different territories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is really, I'm excited. I think it's going to be really cool to watch. I am too, and I kind of hope, like, I hope maybe him and Magnus do, like, a feud for it now, going to these different promotions and stuff like that. I think that would be really good. Well, I think, unless they've got another uh, opponent lined up for the Madison Square Garden show, maybe that would be you build to a rematch there, like, they all just goes around. uh, Because then, that would be another, like, I don't think every indie show, they should have, like, the full parties coming out for each person mm-hmm. but that would be another great show to do that right like mm-hmm. the return meet like change up the families a little bit like right especially if like so this would be a little bit of a far-reaching idea but hear me out on this like they keep mm-hmm. talking about what the bullet club guys they're saying like we're sticking together we're sticking together we have this agreement but you notice the one person in bullet club who's not in those agreements who marty Skrull. Every single really? time they mention him, it's it's Cody, Kenny, Adam Page, and the Bucks. It's not uh-huh. Marty. So what if at some point, because you know they do have a little bit of a history of Marty and Nick Aldis being friends, right? Yeah. Maybe if at some point during the build of this, what if Marty ends up like kind of turning on Cody, and then Marty ends up like coming out as part of Nick Aldis's camp in like the rematch? Yeah, I I would love that because. All I, I just I want the NWA title to come back to its prominence, and it's getting there. It's mm-hmm. it definitely is. With this win, we're we're coming closer. Definitely, and with like how much Cody has just been like going full steam ahead with just like taking what seems to be like his dream and just saying like nobody's gonna tell me no. And yeah. you know, doing the All In show was like a huge like it's it's even crazy like. We just watched, like, this was a great show. We're going to keep getting to the rest of the match, though. But, like, just the fucking, it's almost like, it's still mind-blowing. The fact that this show happened. Yeah. That it sold out as fast as it did. Like, that was a huge accomplishment. And then now he's going to be taking that momentum forward with the NWA, with the new World's Championship. And it seems like he's going to just continue to sort of, like, build this brand and build this, you know, idea that he keeps trying to sell, right? That, like, we own pro wrestling. It's not just WWE. And continue yeah. to grow all the rest of pro wrestling outside of WWE. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this would be fucking awesome. And yeah, uh, even, but even even without a Marty Scurll betrayal, I think that like building up to kind of like a big Nick Aldis rematch would make sense because like he was the champion for so long, and you know, kind of like they did before, where uh, Nick or um, Cody had to like get Nick Aldis to give him the match. Like, yeah, all just that was have something to go to Cody and be like, well, what do I need to give you to get this match? There's so much wrestling to watch that I, I missed a lot of the build up to some of these matches. And that was one thing I missed. I haven't been watching the ROH TV where like mm-hmm. it was I didn't know it was agreed upon that if Cody had the ROH championship, then he could put that that up as collateral to go for the NWA. But then when he didn't attain that, then he had to put up his ring. Yeah, on he had to put up the Ring of Honor. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I don't think they even showed that on All In, did they? The Ring of Honor. Yes, they did. Oh, uh, not. I'm sorry, not like live in the build up. They did like mm-hmm. they showed like the. Oh yeah, like in the recap videos. Like yeah, the yeah. clips. Yeah. Okay. 
but yeah, because it was like, you know, compared to the NWA title, it's like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, but like, uh, to go back to like the prelims, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't realize in the buildup how the Briscoe brothers were being portrayed as the heels. Yeah, that was kind of inter- interesting. Uh, I mean, they, they are really great heels. Oh, yeah, they're fantastic. Either way you go. One of the few teams that can pull off both really well. Mm-hmm. But I guess I just was always thinking, like, well, I mean, like, SCU are definitely fucking heels, so, like... Yeah, but to this crowd, SCU are the baby faces, and the Brisker brothers who are, like, I guess they were kind of going off of, they're, like, the ROH uh, stalwarts, like, they've been there mm-hmm. really long time, like, related to a company where SoCal's kind of been all over the place, more independent, and so that's how they kind of went off. I think of this with the Briscoes coming coming off as more of the heels. Yeah, it was it was a little bit of a little bit of a changeup, but it worked. It was all right. It was a good match. Oh, it was a fantastic match. Yeah, you know, it opened up the show and got people ready to see the mm-hmm. whole rest of the thing. And then we got the Battle Royal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we got the we talked about the, like the Ring of Honor match. We talked about the NWA. Actually, we should talk about the NWA title match itself just a little bit before we go on to something else too. Because yeah, I also love too that. Um, it just came down to him sitting down out of a sunset flip powerbomb or sunset. Flip. Oh, it was a, it was a classic NWA finish, like just a fucking move. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't a finisher, just a move. Yeah, and a counter, it a counter to a move. It was booked so like I loved the Cody not being able to continue at the one point, mm-hmm. coming out with the blood. Yep, um, good blade job with the blonde hair. Yeah. Um. What else? Oh, Brandy getting hit. Like, yeah, I was I, I was a little bit wary on that one because I, I thought that the way they did the spot was a little bit weird. Like, I thought that her just sitting there for so long and then Nick Aldis just, like, jumping. I don't know. It I felt like she should have, like, come in at the last second or something. Yeah, they tried to play it off that way. There may may have been some mistiming because the, I mean, the commentators went, like, yeah. oh, I don't think when Nick jumped, he realized she was there, like... But I mean, I I could also see this being very intentional, and then the idea of part of the storyline going forward is saying that like, you know, Nick Aldis would basically claim that you know you couldn't beat me without your wife by your side. Like yeah. if I had hit that elbow on you, the match would have been over. And then Cody coming back with, "Well, you attacked my wife." Like great setup for both of them for promos. And then you know what they could do is maybe they could even add a stipulation onto this. I don't know if they would want to, but you know, could kind of naturally lead into like a cage match kind of stipulation. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to switch it up, you know. Um, to main event the Garden show, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, main event or like just or like a semi-main because like didn't they they try to say like in this show it was like a triple main event? Kind I of. I, it's the kind. Of, it kind of permeates down from the WWE logic, right? Like they always say that there's multiple main events to the WrestleManias, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, not really. There's a main event. But I will say I did like the layout of this show because there was so many, I will say, main event caliber matches. They kind of build up to each and had those like kind of sprinkled throughout the show. Yeah. And actually, even too, from like the perspective of like the fact that like some of those matches went really long. So then from what it sounds like, right, the main event got kind of squished Mm -hmm. as far as for time, like that was the right match to put on last because if you needed to time squish it and turn it into something that was half the length, that was the match to do it with. 
Well, yeah, you've got all these guys that can just throw out their spots, Mm -hmm. and it'll still be an entertaining match, even though it ended up being, like, 12 minutes or whatever it was. Right, because, like, with a six-man tag match like that, like, there's still definitely going to be kind of, like, those big moments, like, when Ibushi and Rey Mysterio got into the ring together, like, that was a big moment. But, like, Mm -hmm. outside of that, you know it's just going to be kind of a spot fest anyway. Because you you can't, it's so much harder to tell a story with six guys, right? Right, well, especially six guys that don't have a storyline going into it either like this match yes. had no story it was just like kind of a dream match of just like here are a bunch of good wrestlers yeah uh, a bunch of good wrestlers on one side and the other side and let's go right because then like you know on the other side like if you had had to cut like kenny omega pentagon or okada Skrull, like i think that would have hurt both of those matches a lot more than it did the six-man tag you know what i'm saying like if they had to tell those stories in half the time they would have been a lot more fucked Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, like, cutting down a match like mm-hmm. Cody and Aldis would have been, like, a detriment to them. Yeah, that definitely would have fucked them, too. I mean, yeah. I think, I guess you could have shaved some time in other places, too, but, like, a lot of those yeah. other matches really needed the time. Which, uh, actually, speaking of which, too, like, overall from the pay-per-view, what was your favorite match of the night? Oh, Cody and Aldis. Yeah. Hands down. Because the emotion behind it how it was booked like it was the classic match that i love so i i had to go with that one and don't get me wrong like mm-hmm. i'm not saying the all the other matches are bad by any means like i also love like the omega match and the scroll match mm-hmm. uh the elite match all were great but just cody and all this i think had the best story going in they had they had the time they had mm-hmm. they told a great story i just everything about it was great the emotion yeah. of like, Cody crying afterwards, like, uh, that just tugged at my heartstrings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, you're 100% right, because there were a lot of other really good matches on this card, but nothing matched this one for story yeah. at all. Like, this was far and away. This had a really great build, a really great payoff, and, like, yeah, it was it was this, like, really great, bittersweet moment, right? Like, you have so much excitement for Cody, like getting this title win and how much it means to him and how much you know that it would have meant to his dad. But then there's kind of that bitter part too that like, and man, like just how much fucking better would this have been? Like if Dusty would have been here. Oh my God. You know, Cause like, I feel like that was probably like Cody's thought when he was holding the title was like, this means so much to me, but like it would have meant like, you know, it really would have meant that much more if dad was at ringside. Like at, uh, when he was on JR's podcast, JR stated that when he won the title, he was like, I felt your dad's presence. And Cody goes, he was like, I felt him when apparently right after Cody's match, so like this big high, right? Winning the title, mm-hmm. his dad's title, everything. Goes backstage and immediately puts on the headset and is running gorilla position from then on mm. for yep. the rest of the show. And he said that's when he felt his dad because that's what Dusty used to do for the WCW shows. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is crazy. Like just to see. Yeah. Like it, how much he has grown. You know. Like as a yeah. performer, as a businessman, as a creative individual, like as a booker, all that. Like he. It's crazy. Like it. It kind of really. He, you know what it feels like to me. I think that this is going to be one of those things that we look back on in like fifteen, twenty years when, like, there is kind of, like, a proper, maybe not one 
promotion necessarily, but like an alliance of promotions in the United States that's challenging WWE. And maybe it's mm-hmm. called the NWA. Maybe it's something else. But then we're going to look at it and be like, yep, there's like Cody right there at All In, like just like his dad. <laughs> and then the shit like kept growing. And that's it, it feels like we're just talking about history right yeah. now. And uh, Cody said too, like that he wanted to like learn everything about running a show. Like he was like, I wanted to know how many chairs they needed in the um, like the union workers like break room. Like, and he was like, and I, I learned that for the next event, I don't need to know that. <laughs> right, like, he he is really trying to do what I don't think anybody else has done. Uh, and when he left WWE, his goal was, I'm going to wrestle and I don't want to ever need Vince McMahon ever again. Yeah. Like, I don't want to need him. I'm going to make my own wrestling fucking empire out here. And I mean, they de- they definitely can. I mean, they've definitely made some fucking gigantic steps in that direction, and all indication seems that it's going to keep going that way. I also didn't realize until the event was going on, did you realize it was more than 10,000 people in there? Uh, I mean, I figured there was going to be a little bit more than that, but... They had like 10,400-something. I thought I saw a posted number of like 11,000-something, but they might be boasting. Yeah. Uh... I, I I have to check what Meltzer says, but I'm pretty sure it's like closer to like ten thousand four hundred in terms of at least what like Cody and the Bucks have been saying. Totally. Although who knows? I guess there could be like different numbers between like if you just count people who bought tickets versus like people who are in the building, because then that could include like apparently the workers and stuff that's like what that. WWE Security. does. Apparently, when they they say their numbers, <laughs> they include like the workers of the arena and stuff like that. <laughs> like the people working the snack stand. Exactly. That counts. <laughs> That counts as the hundred thousand at WrestleMania. Yeah, those one thousand people working all those snack stands. Yeah, who are forced to be there. Yep, exactly. People uh, working the merch booths—they count. <laughs> so, what other matches are we not going over yet? Oh, uh, opening match: Matt Cross versus MJF. I thought it was a great opening match. Yeah, this you know what this is the only thing that like afterwards I was like, well, if if they had thought they were gonna have time issues, then I'm wondering why they threw this one on here. Yeah. Um, but I just liked it because like Matt Cross has been a huge indie guy for years, mm-hmm. and so I just thought that was a great opening of like, this is truly showing that this is an independent show. True. Although I feel like you could have also just like put these guys in the battle royal. Yeah, that's true. So. There's that. Um, Not to say it was Chris, a bad match, but just no. like what we were saying from a time management perspective. In, ter- in terms of importance, like, yeah, this was the lowest match on the importance scale. Uh, Christopher Daniels versus Stephen Amell. Holy shit, has Stephen Amell gotten good at wrestling? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think he's definitely hands down the best celebrity turned wrestler. Yeah. For sure. He's um, definitely taking this seriously and uh, mm-hmm. putting some effort in. So coming out of this, I have a dream match for All In too. I would really like to see them rematch. I would like to see uh, Stephen Amell like train all year, just so that he could be like, you know, what, Christopher Daniels, like I want to do it again. Because after this match, like he shook his hand and stuff. Yeah. Like so, there's there is some sort of mutual respect that's been formed there. So he, I think, he, I would really love to see that story of him being like, you know, you are the measuring stick, and I want to you know show you that I can beat you. 
Yeah. Like, this, well, the, this wasn't the, just like me wanting to play, re- play wrestler. Like, I am going to be a wrestler and beat you. So, like I said, Matt Cross was like the guy of the Indies. The complete mm-hmm. epitome of the Indies is Christopher Daniels. Oh, yeah. So, that would be a great story going in. Like, you are the guy that has been everywhere and done everything. In terms of an independent wrestler, I want to go toe to toe with you and beat you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like selling this idea that like if if I beat you, then I know I've made it. Like that would mean yeah. that I am a legitimate tough pro wrestler. Like I could become a world champion. Hmm. Uh, Tessa Blanchard winning the four corners match. Uh, totally should have picked her afterwards. Thinking about it. Yep. <laughs> But great match nonetheless. Yeah, definitely a really fun match. Uh, I, th- I really dug too getting to see uh, Chelsea Green doing like the dual gimmick. Yes. Thing like the part part bride and part not. And uh, throwing in a broski boot there for her boyfriend. Yep, little shout out to Zack Ryder. And I had no idea Britt Baker, uh, girlfriend of Adam Cole. Oh, okay. She came out and hit the entrance music she came out to was his old ROH theme. Huh. Yeah. Also, I was like, where do I know this music from? And Corey's like, oh yeah, that's uh, Adam Cole's girlfriend. Aha. Well, yeah, I thought she did a good job too. It was a yeah, it was a fun little women's match. I I thought it was a little bit weird with like the whole hugging thing at the end. Yeah. I think them being the only women's match, I think that's where that kind of came from. Yeah, but like. I mean, it's, it's not like it was the worst thing. It didn't ruin the match. It's not like... It was just kind of one of those things that, like, if I was booking it, it's like, all right, just do that behind. Like, do that afterwards. Yeah. Like, let Tessa celebrate. Maybe let Tully come in and celebrate with her or something. Yeah. Let that happen. And then the rest of you girls go to the back, and you can all do your group hug behind, yeah. the, behind the curtain. That that would have been a great moment, yeah, if you had Tully come in. Mm-hmm. Didn't even think about that. Uh, then we had Hangman Page to beat Johnny Janela in a Chicago fr- street fight that included using an actual Cracker Barrel. An actual Cracker Barrel. That's yeah, this fucking is, great. This was a fun match. You know, this is definitely like really intense. Uh, I guess this really was like the most hardcore oh, match yeah. on the show for for sure. Um, we had boots we had a Mm -hmm. telephone cord we had joey getting thrown off of a stage through two tables yeah and i love to like uh, adam page came out with his uh joey killer i think was his gear that was pretty cool i love that that was a great story going into it i didn't even notice that i have to rewatch that part yeah it's like well i killed one joey now i'm gonna kill another one (laughs) and uh he Uh, he damn near did kill joey janela like that rites of passage through the fucking table that was a great oh, end. That was a, like, that's definitely one of those things that's like, all right, if he kicks out of that, that's bullshit. <laughs> and then we had uh, the res erection, uh, as Don Callis uh, stated, <laughs> of Joey Ryan coming out with dick druids. I like to call them the cocktourage. <laughs> that's the best one I've heard so far. <laughs> Um, definitely a, uh, <laughs> just a weird part of the show. <laughs> um, but in the end, I, I enjoyed the entertainment of it. I'll at least say that. 
Well, it you know what? This is another thing that I thought was really intelligent about the show. From a booking standpoint, this was it a great finished palate off cleanser, right? Like you had the crazy intense, like serious emotion with the Cody and all this match, and then let's have the kind of ridiculous match now with Adam and Joey, and then the ridiculous angle with Joey Ryan coming back. Like it was a nice change of pace to kind of revitalize the crowd and get them going for the second half. Yeah. Yeah, I I can agree with that. Yeah, because I feel like the crowd was definitely fucking into this whole show, like, from start to finish. It wasn't like a WWE show where, like, you know, a couple hours in and then people are starting to boo and throw beach balls and start random chants. Well, Cody said at the end, if you look around, everyone stayed in the building, pretty much. Yeah. Uh... We went over the Jay Lethal match. Uh, I'll just say I loved the uh, in that match. I loved Lethal going back and forth between the Lethal character and the Black Machismo character, mm-hmm. and I especially loved when he was treating Brandy as uh, Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was oh great. Uh, and then we had Kenny Omega defeat Penta L Zero. Great match. I thought those two delivered on the dream match potential of it. Definitely. I, 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 they're such an interesting... I love their clash of styles. They're both such like intense brawlers mm-hmm. that it, it definitely paid off, I think. Yeah, they, they had a nice set of... like It was like brawling, and then one of them would pull out one of their big moves. And then like some more brawling. Pull out a big move. And, like that's It was a great setup to the match. Yeah, and, like, both these guys have, like, so much of an ego and, like, a little bit of that kind of strong style mentality of, like, I'm going to take the best that you've got and then I'm just going to hit you with my shit even harder. Yeah. Well, they had one of the best, uh, like, back and forth spots with, like, the slapping and kind of stuff, so. Yep. Yep. I dug that. Uh, and then we had Okada defeat Marty Skrull in what I thought was a great match that went apparently way over time. <laughs> Yeah, um, but it, it definitely worth it. I thought this was uh, one of Marty Skrull's better matches that he's ever had. Oh, my God. They, they told the story so well, the size difference, mm-hmm. and can Marty really do it? Um, I mean, and... shit, after he hit that fucking Rainmaker, like, that... Like, I still was very, very convinced that Okada was going to win, but, like, for a few seconds there, I was like, God damn it, maybe he's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> then I would have won. Actually, uh, we would have tied, and I would no have retained. Bitch! Flip saved me. <laughs> Thank you, Fuck Flip Gordon. Flip. Fuck Flip. <laughs> Fuck Flip. Fuck Flip. <laughs> Not Book Flip. Fuck Flip. Yeah. And then, of course, Golden Elite defeating Rey Mysterio, which was just a crazy match because they were so short on time. Uh, so it was just a lot of spots, but I thought really enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. Like They were still able to cram a lot of fun into a very short amount of time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they had to just, like, promptly, like, get the fuck off the air. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, who is it? I think it was Joey Janela was doing an interview with um, Sam Roberts, and he talked about how he would not have wanted to be in uh, Ian Riccoboni's shoes to have to close out the show, like, after that. He was like, I would have shit my pants. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Because they're basically like, you have three seconds to close out this amazing show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. But somebody had to do it, and uh, eventually the show did come to a close. They gave their little uh, like thank you speech, kind of 
<clears throat> teasing that they're going to do more of this, obviously, if there's interest, which clearly there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get to do it all again sometime soon. Holy shit. I would say probably in a year. Totally. Although, like I said, I feel, I do feel like the Madison Square Garden show is going to be kind of in line with this. Yeah, I mean, because it's pretty much going to be almost a similar setup. It's just with ROH and New Japan directly mm-hmm. involved with it. Right, so a little bit more of their talent rather than purely like independent talent. Exactly. But I mean, like this All In was ROH production. It was literally their production, guys. Yeah, that's true. And obviously, like with the ROH title, like on there, like that was a big deal too. So. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's go into. Are you ready was, to mire was, into the swamp of? I was non- gonna say there. There was other wrestling this week. There was other wrestling this week. Oh my gosh! All right. Um, let's see. A couple things I want to talk about. What do you think of the potential pairing here of Chad Gable and Bobby Roode? I love it. Because I, I do think that there is, like, some weird potential here, maybe. Like, they're, they're similar characters, right? Like, Glorious and I'm the best Perfect Ten. Well, actually, I, I think there's going to be actually... Hear me out on this. I'd, I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like I saw, like, a little bit of a hint of a storyline going forward with this. And I think the idea would be that Bobby Roode is going to start exploiting Chad Gable. Because Bobby Roode has been on a losing streak for a little while. Like, he can't buy a win. Mm-hmm. And he looks at Chad Gable and is like, shit, Chad Gable is a damn good wrestler. Yeah. If I hook up with him, he could lead me to gold. And because, like, I I feel like I remember seeing towards the end of the match there, like, Bobby Roode was just, like, staring at Chad Gable, like, just, like, glitter in his eyes. Which is like, man, I found gold in this kid. Mm-hmm. So I think that could be kind of, like, a fun direction to kind of go with it. Like, maybe there is a little bit of a benevolent... Uh, like sort of teaming up at first, but maybe it becomes sort of exploitative over time. Interesting. I, I definitely do see, do you see like a heel turn out of that? Totally. Like a long-term heel turn. We're like, yeah, maybe even for a little while, like even in tag matches, like Bobby Roode is kind of like a secret heel where he's like, you know, he'll tag into the match for a little bit, but then like quickly tag out the Chad and be like, oh man, you got to well, do all the work. And then eventually I mean, turning... Chad like, hey, what the hell? Like, you know, you haven't been doing the work. And it's like, that's right. I've been riding your coattails and using you. And then, you know, you could properly turn on him and have a feud or something. Well, I mean, like, uh, also turning Chad heel as well. Like, the whole team going heel. I don't want to. Chad, he's really? okay. Like, I like Chad Gable as a face, though. I think he's so good. I think he could be a great heel. You got that smarmy, like, kind of know-it-all attitude. I think you could see out of Chad. I think no, it I mean, could like, be entertaining. We've... We've seen it a couple times, and it's okay. Like, when, yeah. when American Alpha were heels, like, it was okay. When he was yeah. Shelton Benjamin as heels, like, it was okay. But I, I think like this Chad could Gable be, is, like, is, I feel like those other face. times, it hasn't been a full heel, though. I feel like this could be full heel, and he could learn really well from Bobby Roode. Maybe. I mean, I, I could, I would definitely be also down for that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I enjoyed that pairing. Because they're not doing much with either of them as singles. They put them put them together. I was like, okay, as long as they're doing something with them, I'm okay with it. Well, hey, yeah, they're, they're doing that. And at least they finally fucking finally put the tag titles onto not jokes. Yes. Uh, save the division from the goddamn B team. 
how uh, how much did you enjoy this? I thought you would have been loving this. I loved it. Thank you. I I like Dolph and Drew. I think are great champions right now. The mm. the only issue I see with it right now is like just depending on how they decide to book this Shield feud because I feel like their temptation generally with this sorts of things right is that basically Roman and Braun are gonna fuck over uh like Seth and Dean and Dolph and Drew like they're just those other four guys are gonna become cannon fodder. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird booking right now because they're it's building like if, up if they're to a single match. Then I'm gonna be upset that they gave them the tag titles because then it's like all right, well now you're putting the titles on these guys to start jobbing to Roman. Fuck that. Yeah, and it's it's just weird with uh um what you call it like they're building up to a singles match, but they're building a team match with how they're doing it right now. Mm-hmm. So I just I just don't know where they're going with it yet. I'm I I feel like I feel like they're gonna end up doing like two different matches. They're just gonna have like Roman versus Braun, and then it's gonna be uh, Seth and Dean versus Dolphin Drew. But like then, at Hell in a Cell, or yeah, at Hell in a Cell. But I think Seth Rollins is gonna have to lose the Intercontinental Championship before that. Either that, or they just don't have an Intercontinental Championship match on that show. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they didn't. They don't have to. Like, there's gonna be SmackDown matches on there as well. Like, they could just. Yeah, they don't have to overbook these shows anymore. Right, like it could just be Intercontinental Champion Seth Rollins is challenging for the tag titles along with Dean Ambrose. Because, yeah, actually, I guess I would hope that... My feeling is, like I said before, I don't think the Shield's going to be together that long. So I don't think that they necessarily should or would win the tag titles. Mm. So I think you could just keep the Intercontinental title on Seth until death, uh, death, geez, Dean turns heel. And then, and then have those two feud over that. Right. I think that would be the way to go. Yeah, I think they definitely want to, like... I think that's going to be, like, months away, though. Because I feel like they're just going to run this shield as long as they can. Because they didn't get a true reunion last time. Because Dean got hurt. True, but I think that's also part of the appeal, right? Is like, you can't actually keep them together for too long. Because then, what if people get enough of their fix and then they're done with the shield? Like, yeah, and then they're bored, and then yep. when you do the turn, it's not worth it. Right. You need to do it quickly so that they can break up, and then people can still have fantasies of, like, well, what if someday the shield reunites yet again? Yeah. Like, you have to always keep that pipe dream alive, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think they're only going to be together for maybe another couple weeks, months. Maybe. I don't, I don't think there's any way they're all still together past Royal Rumble. Like... If Dean hasn't turned by Royal yes. Rumble, they have done something wrong. Yes, I totally agree. Because I think that gives you enough time to enjoy it while it's happening now. Mm-hmm. And then also makes the turn a huge deal. Because right around the Royal Rumble time, you're building up to WrestleMania. Dean's turn makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel like Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, somewhere in that time frame yeah, would be the time to turn him. Um, also, did you know we're building up to a Shawn Michaels Undertaker match? Apparently. This, uh, this really came out of nowhere, but you must be creaming yourself. Oh my god, that was such a good promo by the two of them. Yeah, wait, I guess, it, would the idea be, right, that, like, so Undertaker's got this match with Triple H, he'll yes. beat Triple H, but, like, it'll further antagonize HBK into coming back. Which, I... I don't want actually. <laughs> like, I love the fact that like 
the reason my love for HPK has continued is the fact that he's been one of the few guys, like he said, that stuck to his word and actually retired. But I, I love that, like, the he started to talk about a little bit more about why, right? He said that he's he's decided to stay retired because he respects The Undertaker. Yeah. So we have that, but then, so then he said, like, if I was ever going to come back, then it would be against you, right? Like, nobody else, because I retired because you beat me. No, Undertaker said that. Oh, Undertaker said that. Okay, yeah. So Undertaker, Undertaker said, if you came back, the only person you would want to face is me. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's just saying like, well, maybe he's turning this on his head and saying, you know, you've only stayed away because of fear. Fear, right? yeah, exactly. It's it's super intriguing. Um, oh, it is. That was one of the most intriguing segments. I'm wrong. Yeah, it's. Although I guess the the, you know Issue. what? At this point, the way that things have gone, I would totally be okay with the idea because, like, all right, look, if Shawn Michaels can come back then this is the way to do it, right? To respect his previous retirement, he has to beat the guy that he retired because of, because Undertaker's now calling out his motives. So if Shawn Shawn Michaels comes back, beats the Undertaker at WrestleMania, then you know what we could build to? We could build to Shawn Michaels versus Daniel Bryan. Like, we could have Shawn Michaels versus AJ Styles. (laughs) oh my god joe and you know that's what he was referring to in that promo yeah. he's just like i've had guys in the locker room line up and i love the line he's like i've turned away millions of dollars <laughs> which is i just died laughing at because vince who wrote the the whole retirement storyline mm-hmm. is the one going hey you want to come back to wrestlemania i'll pay you a million dollars oh my Trump, god like i'm using that in a promo mm. <laughs> Wouldn't that just be fucking amazing? Yeah. Like, I I can't even imagine that, like, for you personally, that there would be, like, a greater fantasy. Because if Sean's not a guy I'm worried about with uh, coming back and not living up to the hype. Mm-hmm. Like, Sean's going to be one of those guys that comes back, and he, he wouldn't be teasing this stuff if he knew he couldn't do it. Yeah, because that's, that's the other thing that is really weird about it, right? Like, Vince has this kind of rule about it, and it seems like that uh, you know, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels would also be of this mindset that, like, you don't tease a match this hard if there isn't a plan to potentially do it. Yeah. So that's going to be the thing, right? If this is if this tease is continued in, over the next couple weeks in the build-up to the Triple H match, well, should, then Well, should you hear that uh, Shawn Michaels might be the guest ref in that match? So then I'll start believing more that this could actually happen because I also don't want to get my dreams too high up. Cause here's, this is the other thing I'm thinking that they might do is like a potential angle that could make this happen is like, if he's having to be the special guest ref there in the match with triple H and undertaker, what if undertaker, you know, he beats triple H like so bad and he's just going to like really, really hurt him. And maybe he kind of like corners HBK into a situation of like, you know, I'm not even going to, like, maybe I'm going to hurt Triple H really, really badly if you don't accept the rematch with me. Or, like, something like that. Like, some kind of way to manipulate HBK into a match. Do you think they might try to do something like that at the Australia show? Maybe. No, that would be one of the few storylines that could make sense. Because, like, I'm trying to think of, like, how it, how you would do it. Like, hmm. 
I don't know, maybe maybe like maybe Undertaker refuses to finish the match or something. Like he he keeps just like hurting and beating Triple H, but like he won't do anything that actually ends the match. Like he won't pin him, like that sort of shit, and just like forces Shawn Michaels to keep going. I don't know. That could be a way to do it. I don't know how to do it. There'd be I feel like there'd be a really clever way to do it potentially, but that would that'd be the idea. I would really love for them to go forward, and I I think you would love it if they did it too. Right? Is just oh some anyway like. Any way that logically makes sense for Sean coming back, I'm all for. And hell, you know what, too? If the, if you just want to do, like, an overall, like, storyline swap in the company where it's just, like, just retire Undertaker, basically, and have yes. Shawn Michaels be that yes. guy that just every, like, yes. year one person's like, I want to have a great match at WrestleMania. Let me have a match against Mr. WrestleMania. That's all Sean. He doesn't wrestle throughout the all, the rest of the year. He's just the WrestleMania match. I would yeah, love he's, it. He's just the WrestleMania match guy. Just all like right. all year, he's like scouting out who's going to be. Is it going to be AJ <laughs> Styles? Is it going to be Daniel Bryan? Is it going to be Dolph Ziggler? Who am we going to fight? I would love that. Although, you know what? I guess uh, Kevin Owens is already an option because uh, he's just decided he's, he's already back, back after yeah. quitting. That was also, not a waste. Kit. Kim, also, like, just, like, what is everyone else's problem with the shield? <laughs> like, how, how did Braun Strowman and Dolph and Drew just get the entire locker room to be like, fuck the shield? You know, they, they must have uh, they must have been talking to Becky Lynch. They know it's like, hey, look, you know, similarly with Charlotte, like, if she's around, there's no way anybody else is getting to the title. If the shield's around, nobody else is getting towards that title. <laughs> you got to take those guys out. <laughs> They've got the Universal and Intercontinental Championships. Fuck those guys. <laughs> oh, it's almost, it's almost like real life when, like, people, like, don't do well. They, just, they start blaming the people at the top, right? Mm-hmm. So just, yep. They're the champions? Fuck them. Fuck them. Although, oh my gosh, uh, the, the weirdest thing of all, though, from this show that I wanted to get your thoughts on was um, mm. the, the new pairing of Drake Maverick with the Authors of Pain. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this one up. I would be okay with it if he didn't dress like them. That was literally my only problem. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was hilarious, but it... <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I was like, oh my god, it's like a mini. <laughs> uh, was like, it was like, holy shit, it's the Shield 2.0. Yeah. That's the other thing with it, right? It's like to have, like, you already have three guys wearing the SWAT team gear. On the right. show. And then you have this, like, other team now doing that, too. Like, Well, the the weirder thing, actually, when I was sawing this, like, I thought it was literally just supposed to be, like, a, a joke, like a gag. Yeah. Was like, oh, but then he came out they, they brought together the shield together again. Oh, here's, like, a weird, oh, they're, Vince McMahon's going to do a little man joke. <laughs> but, no, it's just, like, this is just a serious pairing, which I'm actually kind of down for if they, I think they'd have to do some changes to the Drake Maverick character, though. Make this yes, work. I I want to see him in like a suit though. I think that would be the best to, for him to wear, like while he's managing them. You know what? I I dig him wearing something a little bit more intense, but I think it would have to come with a character change. And the character change would be that like he is so frustrated with being a little man, and then now mm, he's just, and like, he wants act- to be like the big guys. Exactly, and he's like accessing his like really aggressive, angry side, and the way that he now channels his power is through these giant two fucking dudes. And he just, like, orders them to go kill people. I also love the 
their acknowledgement of him being on Raw at on Two Hundred Five Live. Yeah, with, like Mustafa Ali comes up, he's like, "So hey, uh, oh. I thought you were gonna be in the AOP gear." And he's like, oh, "That's just my Monday night gig." <laughs> yeah, what I do on my Monday nights is none of your business. <laughs> that was his line. Yeah, that was. I'm actually. Well, depending on how that goes, I might be disappointed. Because if it's just a literally like he has two separate personalities, then I think that's going to kind of suck. Um, but if it's kind of this idea where maybe he's like hiding what he's doing for a little bit, I think I would like that. Because I think it actually might be an interesting idea. Like what if he comes out on 205 Live at some point with the Authors of Pain? Mm-hmm. And you could either kind of run it from like the perspective of like, oh, well, they're just enforcers for the GM. Or what if he's at some point decides, like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm tired of just being the GM. I'm going to be the champion. And then, he, you know, those are his bruisers. Yeah. I think it, it's going to be more of, like, a main roster call-up, so to speak, where they just take him off 205 Live and he's just permanently on the Raw roster. Oh, and then you think, like, either get a new GM for 205 Live or... Uh, yeah. Or just dispense with the idea... Although I guess WWE's really attached to the idea of having a GM. Oh, they love a GM. They they wouldn't completely get rid of it. If they didn't have someone right away, it would be like, uh, Dan O'Brien, fill in for... Yeah, or I guess, I guess it would be throw, uh, Baron Corbin over there for a little bit, just because yeah. he hates little people. Oh my god. Oh, that would be so good. He's like, I hate everybody on this <laughs> roster. I'm actually trying to destroy 205 Live. <laughs> I have too much paperwork on my desk. I have too much paper. I refuse I, to I, do it. I have to say, I do love him using that line over and over again. Which was just like, I have, I have too much paperwork. Yeah. To <laughs> <fucking use. laughs> like, who the fuck is ever going to give that guy a paper to fill out? <laughs> I, I hope he just, I, I want him to like fit it in every week. And just have someone at one point just question me. Okay, where's this fucking paperwork you're doing? <laughs> like. Yeah, we we don't even see a clipboard. At least at least Dana Brooke comes out with a clipboard. Oh, but Dana Brooke is she no longer in Titus Worldwide? She's looking like she's kind of frustrated with them. She might be done. I don't know. I, I think it's gonna be an interesting story. I I really want it to be now. Like Titus uh, goes like overboard and trying to bring her back. Hmm. Okay. Like trying to send her like a million gift baskets. Yes. I like that that annoying ex-boyfriend. <laughs> That's what I want this to be. Yep, yep, they're trying to get her back. Yeah. Like him and Apollo keep like, like showing up giant, and like, singing songs or giant fucking teddy bear appears in her locker room like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry baby, I could change. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of shit. Oh my gosh. That'd be fun. I'd be down yeah. with that. Uh, uh anything else on Raw you got? Uh the only other thing I was really just like what the fuck was like how the fuck did alexa bliss tap natalia clean Mm. like i see the problem with that feud is is like they're trying to build up to too much like i totally forgot i was like wait why does alexa bliss care about ronda rousey and that because i totally forgot that they're also trying to build up to hell in a cell with them like i'm just thinking of evolution i was like alexa bliss just has to worry about trish stratus Mm -hmm. but then they have to build up to the Hell in a Cell match, so I think they're just trying to make Alexa viable for Ronda in that. And so, This is outrageously stupid. Nobody yeah. is ever going to believe that she's a legitimate threat against Ronda. So what yeah. you do is instead of building her as a threat, maybe build in a stipulation into the match that lets Alexa cheat. Like, 
maybe are they doing a hell in a cell match i don't think so i think they're just having a straight match okay be wrong. see that's the biggest problem with this pay-per-view too right is the, the wording of are you at hell in a cell with the match or in hell in a cell for the paper like although hey at least at least one of these matches actually deserves it like the charlotte versus becky lynch match deserves to be in hell in a cell that and uh i did enjoy the jeff hardy randy orton yeah i think uh, that, could, that, that could yeah i'd be down for that because, because it, the it works. viciousness of Randy Orton, I think. So it, the viciousness of Randy Orton, and then Jeff saying, <clears throat> Jeff said before that he's always wanted to do a Hell in a Cell, and he's never had the chance. And so mm-hmm. it didn't feel like this This was a perfect program to do it for. It doesn't feel like trying to fit the square piece into the uh, the round peg. Right. And especially, like, it seems to me that the, the outcome of the storyline is probably going to be that Jeff Hardy's out for a little while. So, yeah, which is fine. Yeah, and so Hell in a Cell makes match perfect. Like this, right, is perfect for it. Yeah, even he could win, and it would be understandable that he destroyed his body or something like that. Like, no, he's got to lose. But I'm saying the match itself leans towards that kind of stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could they could run with a storyline like that if they wanted to. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah, Charlotte and Becky Lynch. Becky, I feel like actually, great fucking probably promo, the match man. I'm looking forward to most at Hell in a Cell. They've they pit. I gotta give WWE credit here. The the writing of this was great. We we harped on it at first that it didn't make sense. They did the course correction, and it just makes sense now. It might make it, sense now. We'll see. It's it's no longer according to the rumors like they're no longer going for that. Becky's the heel. She's just it's just two friends arguing, and it's one friend making really valid points and Becky. And the other friend making not so valid points in terms of Charlotte. But yeah. what am I supposed to do? Lay down? How about not take the fucking match, bitch? Like, yeah, well, because at least, at the very least, like you just you can't turn Becky Lynch heel out of this. Like you didn't have to turn Charlotte heel, but you just no. like turning Becky Lynch heel was the wrong choice. But these promos on SmackDown, I think they weren't doing that. They were just. They both had their own logical reasoning, and in your head, like at least in my head, I was going, Becky's side makes sense, Charlotte's doesn't, but I don't see Charlotte as a heel because of that. Right, yeah, I totally agree. And I think at this point, like it seems like they might have listened, and I guess that'll sort of be the, what we see going forward, is like, did they listen, and are they going to course correct, or are they going to fuck this up? Mm-hmm. But uh, if they course correct, then like it... Like, them trying to do that heel angle, they accidentally stumbled into something great with, like, the actual, like, oh, wait, like, Becky Lynch is even more of a babyface than we realized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they didn't realize how much people loved her. And I think that she's actually getting cheered even more now. Yeah. Or, like, Definitely. maybe she's getting cheered harder. Like, maybe there were as many people cheering before, but I think that... But now they're just like, yeah. we want to make sure we're heard. Right, because we're, like, so concerned that it's like, no, don't fuck this up. We love this bitch. <laughs> like, we want to keep cheering for Becky Lynch. And we're going to keep said doing bitch it. She we, we don't care what she does. We're going to cheer for her. She said bitch on TV. We love it. We love it. <laughs> Everyone loves Becky Balboa. <laughs> um, but then there was also, I thought this was a, a fun little angle for the storyline of this uh, show with the whole Daniel Bryan chasing Miz. Uh, thing where like you know it's like oh well they were there at first but then they weren't and then he had to fight Andrade Cien Almas but then it's like all right well let's go to the restaurant that they're at but then oh shit they're not here and now they're back at the show 
But then, yeah. oh, surprise, you have to fight our truth otherwise you're fired. And he fights our truth and then Daniel Bryan comes back and catches him. So, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a weird little roundabout game of cat and mouse. But, yeah, uh, that that was the dumb part, but I did enjoy our truth working in his Carmella storyline into the whole match. Yeah, that <laughs> he, was funny. he mis- mistook Maurice for Carmella. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and I just love that, like, this was one of the few things where, like, I felt like there was actually, like, finally a little payoff for, like, all right, this is the storyline of the episode. Daniel Bryan's trying to chase the Miz. At the end of the episode, he finally catches the Miz and hurts him a little bit. Mm-hmm. There you go. They they actually successfully completed a story. So it's like, I have to give them props when they do that sometimes. Because there's a lot of times where they just don't. <laughs> yeah, you did a good thing. Well, it's like, you paid attention to basic story structure. Of like, here's the premise of this story, and eventually it paid off. Yeah. Like, there's so many times where they just completely drop the ball and don't even do that. Mm-hmm. Good on them. Uh, also, I thought it, it was kind of just interesting, too, seeing how much, like, SmackDown has become the couples show. Because you've got, like, <laughs> Daniel Bryan and Bree, You've got Andrade and Zelina. You've got Miz and Maurice. You've got Rusev and Lana. You've got Jimmy and Naomi. Um, let's see. Are there any more? I feel like there's some more on SmackDown. But if not, that's at least five. Uh, that's all the ones I can think of right now. So you're close. But, like, I definitely feel like they, they have enough people with between SmackDown and Raw included, like, you know what? I say fucking go ahead and unite the regular tag team belts, and let's introduce two new sets of tag team belts. You can have a pure women's tag team division belt, and then a mixed, like, tag team division. Why not? You've got enough teams. Yeah. You've got enough people. You've got enough people that you're not doing anything else with that, like... You know, why not? Like, why couldn't Naomi and uh, Jimmy Uso become mixed tag team champions for a little while? Because they're about, they, they could win the mixed match challenge in season two. Exactly. Which, you know, it, it seems like they are going to be putting together potentially like a women's tag team tournament or something. And maybe they'll crown some people out of that. But maybe what if they turned the mixed match challenge season two into a way to crown first ever mixed tag team champions? Yeah. Uh, I do love the pairings a little bit more this time around. Yeah, I think they got a little bit more of them right. Like I, th- I love that Balor's finally with Bailey. Like, yeah, should have done that last year. I actually, I like Sasha and Bobby Lashley. Yeah, I think that could work. Yeah. Um, these two our true thing, Carmel, though, is my star tag team. I can't wait for it. I oh, I cannot wait. Like, our truth needs to try and pin Carmella <laughs> in the middle of a match. <laughs> And just have the ref go like, no, she's your yeah. teammate. Like trying to explain to him what the rules are. Yep. What? <laughs> I can't pin her? <laughs> I can't pin either of the women? What the? How am I supposed to get a shot at the women's title? <laughs> oh my god. Ugh. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I love that pairing. Um, we got Team Little Big again. Yes. We've got, um, let's see, Team Asuka coming back. Maybe they'll uh, start unfucking Asuka at some point. Because, like, alright. Also, at this point, can I get an admission from you that I was right? That they just had no plans for Asuka? And they just oh, yeah. threw away her 
undefeated streak for no reason at WrestleMania. Well, na- and now she can lose in the Mixed Master Challenge, right? She can lose to anybody now. You know what? I was actually thinking about this. There was a huge fucking slap into the face that I don't think anybody else has acknowledged. Like, what? Becky Lynch, the whole storyline for her going into getting the match with Carmella, right? Is She went through the entire women's division on SmackDown, right? Isn't that what she uh-huh. kept saying? She didn't beat oh, Asuka. she never beat Asuka. She never beat Asuka. You know why she didn't even have to say it? Because it didn't even fucking matter. Because Asuka's been beaten out by Carmella, who anybody could beat on that roster. And it hasn't even been on TV. Yeah, she's like she's not even on TV anymore. She's yeah. so irrelevant that they don't even put her on TV. Ugh. Although, you know what? She did come to Naomi's rescue this week, so... Yeah, that was kind of random. I guess maybe that'll at least be a match. Mm-hmm. Like they'll fight the Iconics, I guess. So I guess. <sighs> Poor Asuka. Like, why did they do this? Because, like, man, she could totally still be, like, up there as, like, the third pillar of the SmackDown women's division right now, like, alongside Becky and Charlotte. Mm-hmm. If they weren't fucking it up, but oh well. At least, at least Rusev Day advanced in the tag title not tournament. Yeah. And they'll be getting a match against the bar, I guess? I think so. I think it's the bar, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. SmackDown's a interesting sort of world right now, but um, I, we were talking about the Mixed Match Challenge a little bit too involved with that, and it seems like they're doing a round-robin elimination style this time instead of uh, just like single elimination. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, yeah I, only, I only caught the announcement of the team, so I didn't get to see any kind of uh, what they were setting it up for. So th- this will be interesting too. I think they can tell a little bit more of that prolonged storyline of like you know, seeing like how well the, the teams do consistently together. Yeah, right. Because like in, in the first season of Mixed Match Challenge, like half of those teams we only got to see in one match because they lost in the first round, and then they're gone. Yeah. So like with this, we'll definitely at least get to see every single team for a little bit longer and get to see if there's some potential. Um, Let's see, what else is there? Oh, uh, other note for 205 Live, because we already talked about um, the no AOP showing up. Yeah. I had had a little bit of a question for you about 205 Live that's got me perplexed. Um, Mm -hmm. Why is Noam Dar a babyface? I don't know. I think they just, like, wasn't he injured a little bit ago? He was injured a little while ago. Like, he was... He was a heel when he got injured. So I think when they came back, he was. They were just like, ah, oh, babyface. They need to stop it. <laughs> Gnome Dar is a heel. Yeah. Um. Actually, you know what? The, he's he's got a kind of similar heel character to Leo Rush, and that they're both like really young, really gifted athletes, and kind of like little cocky pieces of shit. I could definitely see, you know what, what if they teamed these two up instead of having them feud here? Like, have them just be, like, little shit assholes together. That would be good. I'd be down for that. They both go around with their pinkies out. Like... (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. Um... But yeah, we also had pretty good match with, like, Cedric versus TJP, like, the current versus... Yep. Yeah, first champion... Um, I was. I feel like TJP. He's one of those guys. It's, it's kind of inconsistent for character work. Like I definitely thought his stuff with Neville was the best. 
Yeah. Uh, like, from an in-ring perspective, he's incredibly consistent. Yeah. it's His character now is more like the gatekeeper of 205 Live. Yeah, because he's, for, yeah, for a while they now. El- the elder like statements. I was like, the first champion. Yeah. Yeah, he's the, he's the guy to take the losses right now. He's like the, the mm-hmm. jobber to the stars. Um, but then over on NXT, we got some new people coming in. Uh, what did you think of the Forgotten Sons? I liked them. What is their think... What is their gimmick exactly? I'm not really quite sure yet. Are they just supposed to be kind of like angry heel guys right now? I think they're literally supposed to be the guys forgotten by the system, so to speak. Hmm. Like blue collar guys, yeah. Like the the white heterosexual I think, males. That... I, I think it's like, uh, in reality, right? They were really forgotten by WWE, um, mm-hmm. and then now in storyline, it's uh, just make that a little more vague. So make it like the system forgot about us or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think I, I'm trying to remember. Didn't they say um, weren't these guys all military? Uh, I know, uh, what's his name? Uh, the one guy from TNA. Uh, Riker? Was it him? I'm not sure. Well, it's either, either Stephen Cutler or Wesley Blake. Oh, so yeah, Riker then. Riker. Yeah. Uh, he was Gunner, I believe, in TNA. He was in the Marines. I know that much. Okay. Yeah, because I think I feel like I remember them saying maybe on commentary that all three of these guys were ex-military. Mm-hmm. So maybe that'll be the idea. Is that they're all angry ex-military guys who are, yeah, like you said, sort of forgotten by the system, and now they're like angry about it, and they're gonna come and get some. Yeah. Which I'm okay with. If you can't think of a gimmick for them, then yeah. Well, it's you know it's something to start with, right? You know, yeah. Kind of expand on that and see where it goes, and yeah, who knows. The only thing that was a little bit weird to me, I thought, was like, uh, it was it was weird trying to distinguish like the guy who was the manager of the group, because like they all three kind of looked the same <laughs> to me. So it was just like, oh, well, why is that guy on the outside? Huh, white guy with long hair. It's like, all right, the grungy, like kind of angry looking white guy. One, two, and three. <laughs> <laughs> now wait, was that one one or is that one three? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but we got a little bit more distinction. I really loved um, Kyrie Sane coming out here with like treating the NXT Women's Championship with some great respect here, like having it inside mm-hmm. the treasure chest. Yes, NXT's greatest treasure. I thought that was awesome. I loved that. Yeah, it was definitely it was a different spin on how you can treat the championship. Exactly. Like I think it elevates the title and it also plays into her gimmick. Like it's it's awesome. Yeah. And then, of course, then Shayna coming out and just disrespecting the whole thing. <laughs> Although I, I was not a fan of the fact that Kyrie Sane got the upper hand in that. Like, I thought that this was the perfect time for Shayna yeah, to if get you're, the upper hand, right? Yeah, if you're going to build up to a rematch, I felt like uh, Shayna should have gotten the upper hand. Yeah, because like, she came out and attacked her like, after she just had a match. Yeah. Like, shouldn't Kyrie be a little tired or something? Hmm. But I guess like that's WWE sometimes. It's like their, their baby faces are so uber- Uber baby cases. Yeah. Although, like on the, you know, just to conflict what I'm even saying right now, you know, they do have a very compli- uh, complicated sort of babyface character here in Johnny Conflicted, as I'm calling him. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, I don't know what I'm doing. 
He's like, am I Johnny Wrestling or am I Johnny Failure? I don't know. <laughs> In his fight against Velveteen Dream, I thought this was a great match. What did you think? Oh, it was a great match. I mean, those two paired up really well. Yeah, this is... I loved it, right? Because it's like... They're they're both at an interesting crossroads. Like, Velveteen Dream is the heel who gets cheered. Yeah. And then uh, Johnny Wrestling the is the face who's, like, kind of turning heel right now. Yeah. Or, like, he's... And also, like, different in terms of their careers, right? Like, Johnny's a little more the established guy, mm-hmm. uh, whereas Velveteen's kind of still kind of trying to prove his uh, place. Right. Yeah, and I thought this was another great match on that resume for both of them going in those both of those same directions. Like, Johnny further establishing the, the conflicted nature of his character about how he, he doesn't have he doesn't want to wrestle like Tommaso Ciampa. Like, he doesn't want to have to resort to that to win. Uh-huh. Uh, but then ultimately it costs him, you know, and yeah. Dream picks up the win and keeps keeps his ascent going here in NXT, which actually, after that win, like, I I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Velveteen Dream actually gets an NXT title match at some point. I mean, it's possible. Because I kept thinking that they were going to maybe like have Like, Johnny's to one of the top guys, so. Yeah, like, Johnny's, a, like, the main babyface in NXT, so... I, you know, I, I kept thinking he was going to be more like North American title level, but maybe Velveteen Dream will go for the main title. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised. Actually, you know, it would be really great if uh, part of my earlier booking, I remember pitching to you, I think maybe a week or two ago, like if Aleister Black comes back, takes out Gargano, maybe takes out Champa and gets the title back. I think it'd be great to see a rematch there between Aleister Black and Velveteen Dream, but this time for the title. I think that would be great. I'd be down for that. And then it can be in the main event. Alistair Black can finally be in the main event of a takeover. <laughs> <laughs> now that... Chamath... <laughs> uh, uh, Jesus, I can't even say their names. Champa and Gargano will be gone. Yeah. Imagine he starts the match and he's like, fucking finally. <laughs> yeah, finally. I have to kill these guys just so I can be in the main event. <laughs> Although, speaking of murder... Did you see Lucha Underground this week? I did not. You want to catch me up? <gasps> yes. Oh, my gosh. Was there right. more murder? <laughs> there was more murder. This was a huge murder. This is huge. Okay. So, Katrina, uh, now that she is fully alive again after having killed Phoenix via Mil Muertes and taking his essence, mm-hmm. she decides, I'm done with Mil Muertes. She gives him the stone and walks away, says, like, this is something to remember me by, but... I'm done with you. You know, all the time that we were ruling the underworld together, I never loved you, never cared. I only Damn. Phoenix. So she starts to leave, but then Melissa Santos, you know, ambushes her, and they start fighting, and they have, like, an extended fight. Uh, but it's not, like, a match in the ring. This is all, like, backstage. Backstage. Yeah, because, uh, man, that would have been bad. <laughs> anyway, but they, they have a long here match, and then eventually they're up on a rooftop, and Melissa Santos throws Katrina over the roof and Katrina's holding on to the side of the edge and Melissa Santos is about to like kill her but then Mil Muertes shows up and Mil Muertes picks up Katrina and then gives back the stone and then says this is something to remember me by and then tosses her ass off the roof and Katrina is dead after she (laughs) so she just got her life back back just fucking get So now killed. we've lost both Katrina and Phoenix. But, so then right after this, so they go back down to Katrina's body. 
Melissa Santos has a necklace that Katrina gave her after Katrina came back to life because she said that she didn't need it anymore. So Melissa Santos has this magic necklace. Aerostar shows up. She gives it to Aerostar because then Aerostar can use it to time travel. He goes back to the past and then he uses it to resurrect Phoenix. And then brings Christ back to life into the present so that then he and Melissa Santos are reunited. However, (laughs) the time travel has fucked up with Phoenix's head so he doesn't quite remember everything. Mm -hmm. And there's also, like, we get a zoomed-in camera shot, like, on his eye, and there's, like, some weird, uh, like, movements going around. Like, there's some, it looks like there's some evil energy or something in his eye. So, like, we don't know if maybe, like, some evil magic got into Phoenix or something. So, that's our opening for Lucha Underground this week. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Then we end up having, um, uh, Killshot had a match with a guy. He beat him. Um, but then afterwards, uh, Son of Havoc comes down and they have a bit of a brawl. And Son of Havoc ended up unmasking Killshot. Oh, wow. So Killshot ran away uh, holding his face. So I think he's going to come back with quite a vengeance against Son of Havoc. Uh, and then we got... Is he going to come back with a Killshot? Ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> aimed right at Son of Havoc. Uh, and then our last, last bit of business for this week was another return, actually. Uh, Hernandez came back to the temple because uh, originally Johnny Mundo was supposed to be challenging for the Lucha Underground Championship this week, but after getting fucked up by Matanza, him and Taya are in the hospital. So mm-hmm. then in his place, uh, Pentagon Jr. defended his title against Hernandez. Oh, nice. And uh, it was a really great line going into this match, too, because like Hernandez came out and was saying, like, yeah, I'm the guy who's got like more balls than anybody or something like that. But then Pentagon said to him, you may have balls, but in your head, you're a bitch. <laughs> and the crowd went fucking nuts. Like, oh my gosh, it was so good. Uh, but yeah, then uh, Pentagon retained the title against Hernandez. And then uh, Cuerno, King Cuerno came out and ambushed him. And looks like he's going to be the, the next. next guy going after okay. the title. With a, probably a surprising Mundo return coming soon. Yeah, Mundo will probably be back in the picture soon. Uh, I guess Matanza's got to be going for it again soon he's been on a rampage killing people oh yeah mm-hmm. also um i forgot to mention batanza uh killed joey Re- or joey wrestling aka um joey mercury and ah. sacrifice to the gods because he challenged him on behalf of johnny mundo last week and then they so him. just be able to write him off yep exactly yeah all right but yeah. so i think that's gonna do it for us this week uh, and then next week we got the home uh, go home show for Hell in a Cell, so we got those predictions for next week. It's gonna be go home shows after go home shows because it's like go home for Hell in a Cell, then it'll be a go home for the Australia show, I think, mm-hmm. and then go home for uh, Evolution or something like that. I yeah, forget what the order. Evolution's coming up really, and yeah. then then there's gonna be a I hear there's the talks of like another Saudi Arabia show coming up soon. Yeah, sometime in November, I think they said. I forget. Damn. So yeah, just like show after show after show. We might be switching the title just back and forth. (laughs) We'll see, but for now, still got the championship right here, baby. It's coming back soon. Um, Just like tonight, my Eagles are starting their season to become two-time Super Bowl champions. Two-time. Two-time. All right. They got a little while to catch up to New Day. Yeah. Uh, Five years, to be exact. (laughs) At least. (laughs) 
Wouldn't that be amazing if they actually just won it like that many years in a row? Holy oh, shit. dude, I would be the happiest fan in the world. Because, <laughs> like, then we would be on, like, I'm, I'm tired of the argument of, like, oh, yeah, you got your one ring now. Like, the, if you're talking to a Patriots fan, we've got five. We could make, yeah, we got five in a fucking row. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a dynasty. <laughs> All right. So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, catch us next week as we build up to all these many shows and hopefully a future all-in. Oh, definitely. There's definitely going to be another all-in. Or at least like a more proper successor to it. Even if they don't yeah. call it all-in too. Like, there'll be something. Yeah. So, uh, all yeah. right. See, See you guys next week. Check you out.